listen. Hello and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week we will be talking a little bit about Nintendo's E3 plans after they have announced how long it will be and when. A little bit about ROMs and how Nintendo has been taking down ROM sites left and right for the last couple of years, and some more, including some news about WarioWare. I'm your host this week, Casey DeFridis, and I am joined by our newest community lead, Jada Griffin. Hi, hey. welcome. Thank you hey, so much everybody. for being here. This for is our sure. first time here. You've welcome. been here for, what, three weeks? Three weeks. This is, yeah, like day, I don't know how to count, uh, 16, <laughs> 17. It's felt yeah, like a lot so- longer, but, you know, there's just a lot of things to learn. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Please give her a warm welcome. And I'm also joined by Seth Macy. What's up, Super Nintendos? And Logan Plant. Hey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. And let's get right into it. I'd say the biggest news this week is that Nintendo has finally revealed their E3 plans. And you know what? They they took that same time slot they always take every year, even though that's not the beginning of E3 anymore. Nintendo's Nintendo Direct for E3 2021 will be on June 15th, 2021 at 9 a.m. Pacific time. It will be 40 minutes. And it's interesting because now instead of being the kickoff of E3, it's kind of the end. This is, I believe, the last presentation. Yeah. Yeah, How does everyone feel weird. about that? <laughs> so the time is weird, but, you know, I'm excited because usually the end of E3 is like it's not anything new happening anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah, bring, bring it on. It's going to be good. I'm excited. I think it's a power play. I think Nintendo wants us to come out of the convention and mm. be remembering the most about their stuff at the end. Yeah, it's exciting. Usually, like, the, the show floor opens right after their presentation, right? They show, like, a live shot of, oh, and here's the beautiful reveal of our, our gorgeous Breath Whoa. of the Wild or Super Mario Odyssey booth. And, yeah, it, it does feel a little bit like a return to normalcy, though. I'm so used to that Tuesday in June, 9 a.m., so I am really excited for that. But it will be weird that there isn't that big reveal of the next three days of Treehouse coverage and things like that after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess Nintendo's also pretty traditional, so... That's what they were planning, and they would not change their plans for anyone, even though everyone else did change everything and kind of move their presentations for the Saturday and Sunday slots instead. But this 40-minute presentation, by the way, uh, someone on Twitter pointed out that I did I did predict the closest to how long the Nintendo Direct would be. So I don't know. I don't get I get literally nothing. Thank you for the congrats. I very much appreciate that. I will treasure that. Congrats for all eternity for predicting this arbitrary 100 NVC points. I appreciate it. I'm keeping score starting now and I am winning because I have 100 points. (laughs) (laughs) But this is uh, this 40 minute presentation will also be followed by three hours of gameplay at Treehouse Live. We've seen. So, for example, in 2019. Oh, my goodness. I can't. Anyway, in 2019, this is when we saw some a lot of gameplay with uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, for example. And we also see a lot of other. We also saw gameplay of Sun and Moon. For some reason, I'm only remembering the Treehouse presentations with Pokemon. Uh, we also saw um, a lot. They actually revealed a Metroid amiibo and showed a lot more uh, Metroid gameplay for the last 3DS Metroid game during Treehouse. So we, we would still get announcements during Treehouse Live. Yeah. Maybe ones they don't consider Nintendo Direct worthy, but still worth watching, I would say. Uh, I know, like, I do you, do any of you three make a concerted effort to watch the entirety of the Treehouse Lives after the E3? Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's on the background. I don't pay full attention to it. 
but yeah. yeah exactly it's just it's there and then you know they say something exciting i'm like what and i'll look and watch you know it has my attention but yeah i'm the same as logan i just have it on in the background i'm excited that it's three hours because it usually goes for three days and one year they showed <laughs> animal crossing like six times and they just repeat yeah. and cycle through the same game so three hours should only be one block per game they have to show probably so i think that's actually a better change no, you're right. They did reveal a ton of Animal Crossing information during Treehouse as well. I remember Miranda sat and watched through all of it and did like this huge roundup article for it. And I've the last Treehouse lives for the last three years I missed because I was had to be on the show floor when those Treehouse lives are going on and I had to go back and watch what I needed to after the fact. Um, I also wanted to point out that this presentation will be focused exclusively on Nintendo Switch software, mostly releasing in 2021. Mm-hmm. What exactly does that mean? Well, uh, it means that we will not see any 3DS games confirmed. That's <laughs> the only thing it possibly could mean. It doesn't mean yeah. anything else. There's no Switch Pro happening. I've decided it's just it's just a myth. It's, we're never going to see it. <sighs> Yeah, speaking of that Switch Pro, we did get some more rumors. As you all know by now, I am so tired of talking about these rumors, so I'll <laughs> leave it to be really brief. Rumors say we'll actually get a Switch Pro reveal on Thursday or Friday this week. Just like they said uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like and they the week said before. last week. And every exactly. week before. Yeah, so if we keep making these predictions like it's going to happen this week, eventually we'll be right. Yeah, so. That- that's the problem with all like anybody who makes predictions and a lot of the sort of fly by night twitter prediction sites or uh accounts it's like we only remember the times that they're right you don't remember the three thousand <laughs> times they were wrong so yep yeah and to reiterate the reason people are saying that this reveal will happen before e3 is so that all of the other developers can show their full roster of games developed maybe specifically for this switch pro as soon as e3 starts but we'll see if that happens or not now back to Mm -hmm. nintendo's actually e3 which will probably not reveal the switch pro who knows um we will see we talked about this a bit a couple of weeks ago but just to like reiterate we might see uh, some more mario golf even though i know that some previews of uh, mario golf uh, super rush was going up this week maybe Mm -hmm. no more heroes pokemon diamond and pearl remakes we've always seen pokemon at e3 for the last couple of years and and those were all the the 2021 games what do you do you guys think we might see anything about zelda's 35th anniversary during the c3 i hope so i really hope so i'm really still hoping that nintendo is like gonna pull the rug out from under us and show us like a compilation of zelda games that like they did for super mario um for their anniversary i really hope so I don't think it's going to happen, but I am I'm yeah. I'm ready to be yeah. swept yeah. off my feet. I am ready to be swept off my feet. Yeah, I want that, too. But I just worry that Nintendo is so careful about uh, destroying its own sales of something within the same franchise. And the fact that Skyward Sword comes out a month after E3, I don't see them announcing this huge new Zelda collection because I know personally, if they announce some big thing for $60, that's sure as heck where I'm putting my money compared to a Skyward Sword HD remaster. So that's why I have trouble thinking that something like that will be in this presentation. Yeah, I think if anything, if they will do anything about Zelda's 35th anniversary, they might announce a future presentation to look forward to after mm. the release of skyward sword mm. because of the reasons that logan one week after <laughs> yeah one week after <laughs> sucks for you but i also am getting i'm getting 
my expectations are getting more and more tempered because looking back, they didn't really do that much for the 30th anniversary for Zelda either. We got some uh, Japan exclusive concerts. We, of course, got the original release of Skyward Sword and the collector's edition that came with it. But they didn't they didn't do a whole bunch uh, stateside. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe we won't get something as big of a celebration as we did for Mario. Because, I mean, I, with I mean, you're watching Nintendo podcast. You're probably a fan of Zelda. You, you probably think it's great, like all of us here do. But it's just not as big of a seller as Mario is. So I guess yeah. we just kind of have to take that yep. in consideration, even though we think, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm speaking just for myself. No, I that's, like Zelda I, better that's than what Mario, I was going to say. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Like, Breath of the Wild is like the greatest game ever made, obviously. Nobody would deny that, although there are people who are wrong well. with their opinions. But however, uh, as great as uh, Breath of the Wild is, as much as I love the Legend of Zelda series, as much as it like means to me, like like your grandmother knows who mario is like yeah. they're going to make so much more money celebrating mario's like every fifth anniversary than they ever will with the zelda even though zelda's not you know like a niche or anything it's pretty mainstream it's not your grandma knows who link is she probably thinks that the, the little boy mm -hmm. the little elf boy's name is zelda so yep man and i am i'm so sad that we're not having an in-person e3 because i know so so many other companies do can do hands-on previews um with like demo and, and demo builds and everything with using pc but nintendo i don't think has done that so far since we have all been working from home and not been able to go in person so i don't i'm not expecting any of us to be able to get hands-on with any of these games that aren't coming out right around the corner yeah so uh, unfortunately we won't i don't think we'll be having that segment i always look forward to where we all get to talk about the games we played on the show floor that we're most excited for uh but we'll <laughs> we'll do it anyway but yeah look forward to the nintendo direct at 9 a.m pt on pacific time on june 15th uh it's tuesday not next tuesday but the tuesday after that i believe nintendo voice chat will be doing a, a like we'll be doing an nvc like that day in reaction like right after the direct i think i'll confirm i'll make sure to put that in the in the comments i'm just assuming that that's what would happen i'm assuming we would do that but yeah we'll get to that anyway um i think that's that's really all i have to say about nintendo's e3 plans this year except actually logan i know yeah. that you went back to the 2019 presentation which was the exact same length 40 minutes and you broke down minute by minute on how much time they spent on each thing so in comparison can you tell us about that and what you think that means for the 2021 presentation yeah so 2019 was interesting because we had basically a game every month nintendo was set to publish and we already knew what all of them were going in if you remember that was Link's awakening astral chain fire emblem luigi's mansion pokemon sword and shield were all coming out in that next few months stretch and so it's it's a little bit different this year because the lineup is not quite as defined mm -hmm. uh games that we know about like skyward sword no more heroes mario golf pokemon and then splatoon 3 uh, out to next year uh those are the ones we know about that i think they'll hit on all of them and in 2019 they spent between one minute 30 seconds and four minutes on each of the previously announced games we already knew about so i'm going to say they're going to spend about two on each of those uh, that comes out to about 12 minutes it was about 12 minutes of third-party stuff, so that's 24 minutes there. About three minutes of introductions, so we're at 27 minutes. I think we'll get both Smash characters that are left in the Final Fighters Pass, and that'll be about three minutes each. 
which gets us to 33 minutes, which leaves us with seven to 10 minutes if they go a few over 40, like they did a couple years ago, of completely new stuff like Breath of the Wild 2, Bayonetta 3, Metroid Prime 4, and stuff that we don't know about. So that's kind of what I'm expecting. I'm tempering my expectations, thinking it's going to be seven to 10 minutes of the brand new shiny stuff that we all want to see. And I do think Breath of the Wild 2 will be a part of that. And that probably leaves room for one, probably two more surprise announcements, big AAA Nintendo things. So that's what I'm expecting going in. I'm also hoping one of them is Mario Kart 9 uh, and then maybe one other title as well. So that's what I think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be 40 minutes start to back of brand new stuff we've never seen. And if you are expecting that, you should lower your expectations a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Logan, I think that was an incredibly well thought out and detailed yes. uh, prediction. <laughs> Seth and Jada, what what surprise announcements would you want to see? Ooh. Ooh. They had the same I, reaction. I, like, I, I flounder at this one too. Like I I don't know. I'm I'm getting everything I wanted this year, so I have nothing left. I mean, the the obvious choice is I just want them to be like Breath of the Wild 2. Here's the name. It's coming out this holiday season and here's like eight new amoeba that you won't be able to buy <laughs> that's that's what i want Dang it. and you know maybe uh maybe some more solid news on metroid prime 4 maybe some gameplay i would be surprised and blown away or even if it's just like an opening cinematic something more than a logo that's what i want those are you know the two games for the nintendo switch that i am most looking forward to like hands down so yes please nintendo please surprise me particularly just so. just me yeah like just send That's a courier to my house <laughs> with a you know a little package that i can open up and all my nintendo dreams will be contained inside what about you jada oh yes metroid prime 4 cinematic would be amazing just because all we've gotten so far is a logo and not even necessarily a final logo um i would love to see some other franchises make a comeback Golden Sun is one of my big ones. Oh, yeah. I would love, because we just don't really see too many, besides Fire Emblem, we don't really see too many core RPGs on Nintendo. Um, outside of, you know, things we get like um, Lost Sphere, it came out a while back, and um, what's going to call it? Uh, Bravely Default 2. Um, mm-hmm. Things like that. We, But I want, for Nintendo, I want to see some actual core RPG stuff. I want to see Golden Sun. I want to see Advance Wars. I want to see um, Kid Icarus come back and do maybe more RPG elements to that. Oh, yes, um, please. That would be some really cool things. And yeah, that would, that, would, that would tie me over. I'd be happy just knowing I'm getting some of those. And then, of course, F-Zero for the, for the fans of racing. I wanna, I'd, rather, I'd rather see F-Zero over Mario Kart 9, personally. Ooh. I want both. I gotta go fast. Can we just have both? <laughs> Let's have both. Let's have both. I'd love to have both. <laughs> but will we? I don't know. Probably neither. Nintendo. I don't think Nintendo Probably would neither. do both. No. No, I'm, but they're already shoot. selling so much with Mario Kart 8. Like, yeah. why? Uh, why bother? I'm um, shooting for the fences. Uh, yeah. Gosh, what? I don't. I still don't know what I want. I don't know. I plead the fifth. I, I have no answers. What would make me really excited? I don't know. I'm I've all of my all of my boxes already ticked for all the things that I really want. Uh Pokemon Monster Hunter crossover. Ooh, Actually, yeah, that would be it. That would be the one thing that would is never going to happen, but would make me very <laughs> excited. I mean, they've done so, so Monster cool. Monster Hunter has done like Zelda Metroid mm-hmm. crossovers, but Pokemon is its own beast. No yeah. pun intended. Oh, but 
<laughs> but that's about it for our Nintendo E3 plans. Logan, that was a great breakdown. Thank you. And thank you very much for your predictions, everyone. But let's move on to another topic for this week. So Nintendo has won another multi-million dollar lawsuit against a ROM hosting website. And just for a little bit of history, I know, Seth, you have a lot of opinions about that. But I also know yes, that ROMs... So ROMs are basically like... I don't even know how to explain this in, a, in the best way. ROMs are basically just a copy of a game that you can play on an emulator that emulates a yeah. game system. So, All the graphics and junk inside those cartridges, that's a ROM. Yes. It's hiding out in there. You can there we go. pull it out. Thank you. So it allows you to play games on your PC that you otherwise wouldn't be able to because maybe you don't have the system or you don't have the game or you can't buy the game or you just don't want to you know, pay money for said game. But um <laughs> yeah. the yeah. number one reason. Yeah. Yeah, that is the number one reason, but that is that is not a good reason. There are I think we could argue that there are sometimes good reasons, but we'll get into that in a second. But anyway, yes. this specific uh lawsuit was uh against a ROM hosting website called ROM Universe. They are set to have to pay 2.1 million in damages to Nintendo. This is originally Nintendo originally wanted 15 million and just to put some things in perspective, the owner of this website was making about $30,000 a year. I'm not sure if this Ooh. was, yeah, I don't know if this was <sighs> the the profit after expenses, but I would assume not. I would assume that this was the total that the site was making, not counting um, everything you need to do to manage a website, which there's there's a lot. Um, so this lawsuit was actually filed back in September of 2019 with Nintendo seeking damages for copyright infringement and federal tra trademark infringement. And there is actually a legal way to use ROMs in this legal way. So one of the reasons, for example, like if you own a bunch of DS games, just as an example, but want to travel, you could legally download ROMs onto a one card adapter and then use that because you own the games already. So you are then legally able to use the ROMs as well. Most people don't do it that way. They just no. use no. ROMs because they don't want to buy the game. Um, but I did want to take this into account. One of the biggest arguments for the use of ROMs is that a lot of these games aren't easily available or are prohibitively expensive to access uh, because there aren't any good official means of getting them. Seth, I know you have a lot of opinions about this, if you could uh, yeah. start off this conversation. Well, it's. I think it's important to point out that the owner of ROM Universe, and I think this is where he got in the most trouble, mm -hmm. he uh, was actually charging people money to unlock unlimited downloads of the ROMs. Yeah. Like you had a, a, a cap of how many you were allowed to download in any given mm -hmm. month. And if you paid the money, you had full access. So that was a little bit sketchy right then and there. But the other thing was he said that he was never actually aware that they were ROMs being uploaded. He tried this, uh, this, this incredible uh, defense in court called the it's never going to work defense, saying that he was unaware <laughs> and that his admin, the site admin was actually in charge uh, of, of uploading the ROMs, <laughs> the illegal ROMs, not him. Um, that surprisingly did not work in his favor. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that this site only made 30 grand a year. Like, look, if my site made 30 grand a year, I'd be over the moon, but not facing down 2.1 million dollars in damages 
We're getting on to the ROMs. It is such a difficult thing for me to be for or against because I can see both sides of the issue. Yeah, this stuff belongs to Nintendo. This is Nintendo's intellectual property. But a lot of the times you can't get, you can never get the Ultra Hand game that was available uh, for the Nintendo Club on the Wii U. You can never get that again because that is that was a download only and that service is gone. You Nobody has a Wii U hooked up anymore except for like five of us. Um, so I could see the preservation is important, but man, it is such a sticky situation. In this particular case, what the, the website owner was doing was super not game preservation. This was I just can't like, agree with that. Yeah, this was I'm going to make money selling access to somebody else's intellectual property so in this particular case no it's not on the level but uh, it's man i don't want to like get myself in trouble it's never on the level like there's never a a from a legal standpoint there's never a legitimate case that can be made but there is from a preservation standpoint like frank safaldi who uh works mm -hmm. for the game history organization he like will flat out just be like just rip every game that you have and store them on your hard drive because otherwise they're going to disappear forever. And he's right. As a historian, like he is making a valid point. A lot of these games are just going to disappear unless somebody rips them and shares them otherwise. So, man, it is it is such a, a tricky like tightrope to walk because yes. it's 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 very much stealing, but it's also like some of these things will be gone forever. We'll never have any memory of them unless somebody yeah. takes the initiative to like rip and and uh and disseminate them. so yeah and i know that there is one website i'm not going to name them because i don't want to put them on blast <laughs> but they are attempting to do this rom a rom rental system that should be completely legal uh, they got a lore involved just to make sure they were doing everything within their bounds and one of the things that you can do like what Blockbuster did, for example, if you purchase a game, you are allowed to rent the game for a limited amount of time and then receive it back. Um, and because of ROMs, if you own a game, you are legally allowed to also have a ROM. What they are doing is that they have they physically have the game in a physical location for them. And then they also have a ROM tied to that physical copy and they rent out the ROM only one at a time. So if one person oh, has rented whoa. that out, no one else can rent it until they return the ROM. And the way that their software works is that it will it, they will not have access to it after their like rental period. Oh my God. Up. So this is their way of trying to be as legal about it as possible. And it sounds like it should be. They still got a cease and desist letter from Nintendo. But, then, but when they responded with how everything works, they did not hear back from them again. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I also think a library doing something like this would also be more able to do this without getting into legal trouble because I feel like our library system has a lot more leeway yeah. uh, than individuals uh, hosting websites. But that sounds like a great way to do it. And that person is still having to go through the trouble of finding and purchasing those physical copies, yeah. which can somewhere be upwards of hundreds and hundreds of dollars Oof. if they're rare enough. And like Seth mentioned, some of them aren't purchasable at all. No. So <laughs> <laughs> this almost sounds like an, a case, like a legitimate case for NFTs. Like nobody knows why NFTs exist, <laughs> but like what if you tied it to your game ROM? 
there you go. It only points to that. When somebody wants to revoke access, they revoke access. Like there's a legitimate way to rent out ROMs. You can send me the royalty checks, uh, yeah. whoever Nintendo or whoever wants to for inventing this idea right now. Casey gets credit as well for giving me the idea. So thank you. We're going to be rich now. You're welcome. And then we'll buy, all the, we'll buy all those rare games. Look um, out for IGN ROMs from Seth Macy. <laughs> <laughs> not really. No, no. That is not something that we will be doing. <laughs> Jada, what do you what do you think about ROMs and ROM sharing in general? I used to use ROMs back in my younger days, you know, junior high, high school, mm-hmm. when you don't have the money to buy these games, but you know, mm-hmm. you want to try all the new stuff just to stay social with your friends that have that opportunity to get those types of games and things like that. Um, so, like a lot of the times, I would use ROMs for like demo purposes because yeah. I mean demo disc kind of went the way went to the wayside and you didn't really get that on handhelds in general with the ds um and so i used to use that i would i had a rom card and i would put on i would download you know 15 20 games try them out delete them after like a couple hours of play and then the ones i really liked i would go and buy so like i would help me be selective in mine i i used them for that purpose mm-hmm. um but you know that was so long ago and that was before like i didn't even know like i didn't know it was illegal like I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I'm a dumb kid. I'm in high school. I want to play games. Um, yeah, no, so. especially especially back then. I'm gonna be honest. When I was, I I I did the same thing. So, <laughs> but I also I also did it as a a a good travel solution. Like I oh, mentioned, yeah. because you can have a ton of games on one card and then not have to worry about losing your cards <laughs> as well. Like when you had them back at home. I remember I like uh I used to skateboard and to um my uh to a friend's house and one day I like my case dropped out of my pocket or jacket or whatever I had that day. I didn't didn't do a good job with it. So I lost a whole collection of like classic DS games and stuff like oh, that. And, and I was just so like painful. Yeah, and I was just like oh, I'm such an idiot. But, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, somebody got really lucky that day. And so, you know, hey, I just paid it forward to somebody on the yeah. street. Somebody walking by <laughs> paid it forward. But yeah. With that said, uh, now we're adults and we know that that is ROMs are inherently stealing unless it yep. is a ROM for a game that you already own, in which case that it should be OK. But I don't know. Sometimes it also isn't because yeah, I guess extremely murky. Yeah, it's very murky because there's the argument that the game isn't being played in the way it was meant to, and therefore the copyright holders are not okay with it regardless. Right, you're allowed to make one backup of yes. software that you own, according to the mm-hmm. uh, the DMCA or the Millennial Copyright Act. Millennium, I don't remember the exact phrase, mm-hmm. but yeah. So it's all, it's it's very murky. But I don't think like if you have, if you actually copied, you know, all your DS games, I don't think the Nintendo force is going to kick down your door and like no. rifle through all your files to make sure you don't have this cart but you have the rom bowser's going to send his koopas they're coming the koopas oh, are gosh. coming i gotta say Check. that one like if you look back to the uh the early 2000s when like napster or the late 90s when napster and like limewire and everyone was just stealing music like left and right and it was this huge horrible thing and then the music industry was like really evil about it but now you can just subscribe to Spotify and just like listen to literally any song that you've ever heard that comes into your mind as you fancy. And I hope that video games sort of move in that sort of direction. We, we do get 
uh, like these amazing collections, like the Castlevania collection or the Contra collection, like these, you know, which that's what's on them. It's just ROMs. They didn't rewrite the code. They just have a ROM and an emulator on there. They're just doing the same thing you are legally. So I'm hoping that somebody takes the initiative to make this ROM scene legitimate. Like I'll pay $5 a month to have access to every game from my childhood legally. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think most people will as Spotify absolutely demonstrates. I think most people are willing to pay for something, but if it doesn't work, like it doesn't work. (laughs) Like I know like uh, Game of Thrones was the most one of the most pirated shows but one of those reasons is because it just wasn't available in certain parts of the world yeah or um if you if your internet was bad the the legal official streaming services just didn't work (laughs) which is a problem that i had um so i I, you know and that's that brings up a good point i feel like when uh society is left to their own means to figure out how to play or get something we're going to figure it out and it may not be the most proper and ethical or legal way because there's just nobody has created that that access route for us to to do that you know it's kind of you know that's where why companies like spotify netflix and you know every other streaming app is now a thing is because now i have access to watching these movies listening to this music like that for me if I don't catch something right off the jump that I'm because I'm not super excited for it, I pretty much will not give it another thought until it's easily accessible for me. If yes. it's not mm. put right in front of my face, like, oh, hey, I can do this with doing this just by, you know, clicking on a button. I can do I'll do it. But if I have to like, I got to go through eight different sites and do all these different things and code this program and do this like I'm personally, I'm not going to do that. But there are a lot of people that will do that. And because they're that dedicated to that franchise game whatever and you know who has a huge opportunity to make these games available to us and has not done so on their system that sold 80 million units Mm. nintendo what what are we doing oh my goodness there's a reason that there's a lawsuit every other week that we talk about (laughs) on this show and cover online and it's that roms will always exist there will always be people who don't want to pay for these things and seek them out in other ways but a large number of people would stop doing that if I could play GBA games and 64 games, GameCube games on my freaking Nintendo Switch. I think it's ridiculous yeah. at this point. And like we used to do on problem. our Wii. Yeah. Or our Wii U. Mm-hmm. The Wii U Virtual yep. Console is so good. Bring and the it Switch back. has just a fraction of what it has. So yeah, we're talking about Nintendo having to spend all this time and money. I mean, they they win these lawsuits. They won uh, yes. $2 million <laughs> through this one. But still, if... There, there's a solution to the problem that they possess. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, while other people figure out ways to make it legal to do what Nintendo isn't doing, they, they could help us out and make some of these things available on their own. And I know I also know that we are getting some services that are going in the right direction, like uh, Xbox Microsoft offers Game Pass, which I think is oh, yeah. fantastic. And mm-hmm. I think more services like that in the future that is more akin to like things like Spotify and Netflix is you all mentioned before would prevent people from seeking these things out because i think the if it's easily accessible and not doesn't cost an arm and a leg people are more likely to go that route because it's way easier than yeah. getting roms as as jada pointed out um but man yeah so, so in I conclusion localized yeah. mother three there yes. we go <laughs> <laughs>
And I, I do, I do have to give some props to Nintendo for now having more than a hundred classic games available for Nintendo Switch Online through the mm. SNES and NES systems. I know they're not like the most wanted games, but yeah. not even lot, like the least wanted. <laughs> it's, I think that's, I think, I think that's like the minimal effort is what we've got there yes. right now. It's like, hey, here's yeah. something to show that they, to make us feel like they care. Yeah. Well, and give us hopes that we're going to get something in the future. Sorry, Casey. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I have like a, a low, I have a low expectation bar and it's being met mostly. So like, <laughs> I, Every I'm month fine. It is I'll be fine. Right there. Yeah, it's right there. But thank you for talking about ROMs with me, everyone. I do appreciate that. And yeah, in conclusion, there really isn't a best way to go about it. There are pros and cons to both things, but I think video game preservation should take some sort of precedence and i i agree with the owner of the uh video game with, with the video game history foundation Museum. did i say that right yeah um, frank cefaldi frank cefaldi does say to, to back up your games just to have them just oh he's case. not he's not yeah. even polite about it. he's like just yeah, no. steal your games off of your carts now and just d give them so you don't everybody. lose them so you don't lose them and we also like we'll get to this in a little bit we have a question block question that is somewhat related to game preservation we will get to later but first more news and this first story is nintendo wants to know if you would fork out 50 dollars for a new WarioWare game. This is an official survey that is sent through email to people from Nintendo, and it asks specifically at a price of $49.99, how interested are you in buying the next game in the WarioWare series? And the answers are go range from definitely would buy to definitely would not buy with uh, three different options in between. So on a scale of one to five, how much, how interested are you in spending $49.99 on another WarioWare game? Five. I'll just wait for I the don't. ROM. <laughs> I'm no. Just no. Yeah, of course I would buy it. Yeah, forty nine ninety nine is a great price for any game, especially a WarioWare game. I'd I have would. to go ahead. Oh no, you you go ahead, Jada. I would say I'm at a four only because I've always been um, about playing the WarioWare style games with friends, and I don't like have that access right now just because we've all grown up and gotten older and just time is split um but i'm still i still like the wireware series like they're great so still would buy uh, i'm i'm honestly always looking for more multiplayer party games i actually play i play jackbox a lot also in person i'm assuming like a couple of times a year i actually get together with friends and we have a huge smash tournament there's usually like I don't know, 20 people that enter, but we also have like side games going on mm. as well, like Jackbox. And I think this would be a great game to do that at a party. I also know I am like very few and far between, like not a whole lot of people like do those sorts of gatherings anymore, <laughs> uh, especially not right now. But I would be very interested in a new WarioWare game. I love these games. I used to play them on the DS all the time. They're very fun. Yeah, we need we need some more weird games. Mm. Yeah, more weird games. Sure. More weird party games, please. And I have a question about this survey. Yes. So that this report came from Nintendo Life, and it, it mentioned in there that other people were talking about surveys that they questions they had about other games. Like, oh. would you buy a Brain Age for $40, things like that? And I want to know, hmm. how many people did they ask, would you buy Skyward Sword for $60? And how many said yes? Because oh my I, God. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm wondering <laughs> out of all this. I'm, I'm surprised they're doing a 
how much would you pay survey? Because they did that yeah. with 3DS. And everyone's like, yeah, I'll pay $249. And then nobody did. So like, <laughs> they, they didn't learn their lesson. Yeah. Are they emailing like the top 5% of Nintendo fans <laughs> with these surveys? Because that would make sense. Oh, no. And they're just confirming like, yeah, everyone loves us. Everyone <laughs> fine. They're just confirming their own biases about fans. Uh, no. Gosh, yeah, no. I wonder who does get those. Because honestly, uh, you have to consider with statistics, people more likely to answer these surveys are probably people who more likely care about nintendo in general so you kind of yeah. have to take that in consideration with the answers yeah. but i'm sure nintendo has a lot of extremely smart people and statisticians on staff that take that in consideration so yeah what do i know <laughs> but also in more news there is an official nintendo gallery museum coming yes. to japan by march 2024 this will be a way to share nintendo's product development history and philosophy with the public i'm trying to remember they talked about the philosophy a lot in the E3 from 20 years ago. Does anyone remember what that slogan was? It was like three different things. Complete. It was something like a, a, a fetish for quality was one of them, which I think that was an interesting way to say that. <laughs> but Strange. this is also, yeah. Well, this is also um, Nintendo's historical products will be featured alongside Mitsubishi's experience and more. This is built at the Nintendo Ujiogora plant, which was built in 1969. It was originally used to manufacture the playing cards and Hanafuda cards, which is uh, what Nintendo originally did way back when. And it was in transitioned into operating as a customer service center for product repairs. And now it's going to be a museum. This is in, uh, will be in Kyoto, Japan. It sounds really cool. By March yes. 2024, I would love to visit this museum that sounds, sounds awesome 100 percent. my experience i cannot wait to go like tokyo has always been on my list of places to go just japan in general places i want to mm -hmm. go so i cannot wait my first uh uh speech or presentation i had to do in a college class was on hanafuda cards like i do not <laughs> oh, remember nice. much from that but that was literally i remember i did that and then my friend did uh self-defense so i got thrown literally on the, onto a, a mat right afterwards so I got there being all professional, talking about Hanafuda cards, and then my friend threw me on a mat. I was like, "This is that was cool." Did you do that in a public speaking class? Yeah, it was a public speaking class. My, one of my first classes was public speaking class, and I gave a speech on um, why Miyamoto was a an important uh, public figure. Oh wow! And nice. then I also gave a speech on because a uh, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver was just released, so I did a speech on how to defeat Dark and Steel type Pokemon. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. My um nice. I I think when I was age 9 or 10 and this is totally off track but my first guide that I wrote was for Pokemon Red and Blue because I had discovered the the duplication trick and so I literally anytime I was at my grandpa's house I was on the computer typing it like like okay Charmander learns Ember at level 7 or whatever level it was back in the Red and Blue days. Yeah. I have no idea anymore. I think it was 9. But, I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I literally went through and did that for all 150 Pokemon. And I like I even did if you didn't evolve Charmander to Charizard right away. What level did Charmander learn Flamethrower? I think it was yeah, 39, like... if I remember right for that one as well. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, That's I don't amazing. have it anymore. I wish I still did. I actually I also had I'm we're just like reminiscing about like crap we did back in the day. <laughs> but uh, in the fifth grade, we had like a ticket system in my class where you could like have like of quote business and earn tickets that you could redeem at the store for stuff like jolly ranchers and Ooh. nonsense or like a free like turn in homework late pass or whatever and i had a ton of 
of strategy guides for Pokemon games and a bunch of other games, and I would rent them out for tickets. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's so time. entrepreneurial. Did it. It's a good time. You, you, you did that better than me. I, I just charged my little brothers for help in uh like clearing uh like the, the water temple in Zelda Ocarina of Time. That was <laughs> every time they needed the help, I was like, it's a quarter. And I'll solve oh, the puzzle man. for you. No, that's good. That's also entrepreneurship. I didn't have any younger siblings to to I don't know profit charge off of? for services. You have to profit <laughs> off of that. I had to rely on my classmates. <laughs> I also like Sorry, this is like just tangents now. But my fifth grade teacher, we actually had a two days in class where we were able to propose a topic to teach the rest of the class about. And I wanted to teach the class about uh, the best strategies in Pokemon and just Pokemon in general and teach them about the world. And she said that that does not have any real world applications. So wouldn't oh. want to do this. However, there there were people teaching people about football and and sports. I hope you Find that teacher on Facebook and send her a copy of every show that you've hosted about, about Nintendo and Pokemon products. And be like, ha, ha, ha. No real life application, huh? Yeah. Huh? Miss mm. mm. huh? mm. Neil? Mm. <laughs> anyway, back to the Nintendo Gallery Museums in which my uh, old busted strategy guides and reminiscence won't be at because <laughs> I, I don't matter in the grand scheme of things with Nintendo. But this seems really cool. Cool. Kyoto is where Nintendo originally was created. The original office building is there, and there is a plaque. Uh, so you can know when you pass by the official Nintendo building. It's a very cool area. I highly recommend visiting Kyoto and Osaka and that general area to everyone. It's fantastic. Love Japan. Awesome. Uh, public transportation. I was ruined because it was the first public transportation system I used. And then I moved to San Francisco. And you know what? Oof. Does not compare. Does not mm -hmm. compare. It's not okay. Get get your stuff together, San Francisco. <laughs> but, but yeah, I look forward to visiting that in the future. What do you guys hope oh, to yeah. see at the Nintendo Gallery and Museum? Oh, I, I, what what is there that I don't hope to see? Like everything. Yeah, it's everything. I, I mean, it's stupid. I'm like, I immediately I'm like, I hope they have a gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, hope, I hope they sell like a really nice, you know, like hard leather bound book that has you know the history of nintendo or something like that or i'll even import it because that's like my jam extremely it's just like historical books about niche things like the history of nintendo but yeah i just want to see everything from like the first deck of cards that they made right up to you know now the most recent switch the switch pro i want to see the switch pro <laughs> just reveal it at the at the museum oh my god <laughs> i you know i hope that they have um audio guides in english that's what mm. i want mm -hmm. Or like uh, like the head of the Louvre, where you you buy the cart and then you yeah. can play it in your Switch to. Oh yeah, the like they had for the 3DS for the Louvre. Yeah. That's so that would be yeah, awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it, but yeah, I'm looking forward to planning my Nintendo-centric vacation in March of 2024, in which I will go to the <laughs> Nintendo Gallery Museum in Kyoto and then go to Universal Studios with the Nintendo Super Mario Land in Osaka. It should be a good time, but. Let's move on to other things, including games that are out this week. And I know I say I'm going to talk about games out this week, but that's a lie. This The game I'm going to talk about is not technically out this week. It came out back on May 21st, but the review for it just came out. And this game is Knockout City. It got a 9 out of 10 by reviewer Jarrett Green. 
and this is what they oh, had wow. to say about it. Knockout City is one of the best team-based PvP games to come out in years. It's a fresh take on the American School Guard staple that proves that lowering the mechanical bar for entry doesn't have to come at the cost of deep tactical gameplay. Every match has the potential to be a dynamic combat experience, and even the most hard-boiled shooter fan can appreciate all thanks to the clever balance between throws and catches, exciting special balls, and well-designed maps to brawl through. I, man, a lot of people have been saying that Knockout City is really great, and now I regret not playing it sooner, but I definitely will now. It's actually free to play on the Nintendo Switch uh, up until you hit level 25, and then it's only $20. There's also cross-play. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. With the Xbox, PC, and PlayStation? Or yes. PlayStation opt-out? Oh, okay. I I mean, mm, I, assume, I assume so. Now I'm like second-guessing. Like, I remember reading cross-play with everything. Oh, okay. I'll I take your word for it. Who knows? Now I'm like checking. This looks cool as hell. I'm going to have to try this out. Oh, it's got hang gliders. All right. Yes. I don't know. I guess I'm in the, the minority for this one. I played through the tutorial. I played a couple matches and I won my matches. So, I mean, I was doing well in it, but it's very bright. It's very colorful. It seems really like it's got a good depth to it. But it for me, it just I don't know. It didn't capture what I was looking for in a multiplayer game. Personally, I just mm. it just wasn't my vibe. So um, I'm happy everybody else isn't enjoying it. And, you know, I'm totally OK with being the one person who's not playing Knockout Kings or Knockout, not Knockout Kings. That's Knockout City. <laughs> knockout City. <laughs> I'm also really not playing not Knockout vibe. Kings anymore. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I just uh, just wasn't wasn't my vibe. But, you know, I definitely see the appeal. No, it definitely looks interesting. And I think well, I actually I did the VO for this review. I did not review it. so just pointed that out there if you go and watch that review um but it sounded so there are like different special balls that do different things like you can throw and you can throw them differently and the aiming isn't as important as deciding what and where and and when to do so because i guess it has some of the balls have like assist help but hmm. i does that sound right mm -hmm. jada yeah, yeah, there's definitely okay. the the aim is pretty uh, it's pretty much auto target like you'll kind of lock mm -hmm. on to somebody um, and if you're locked on like your screen will pulse in that direction like there's this uh, red banner that goes around your screen okay. and that it, it uh, you'll see like a bump in that wherever that direction you're being aimed at. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and the, you know, there's special throws based on if you throw it after you double jump, if you spin, if you do after you dodge. There's a lot of different variances. You can fake a throw. There's a lot of good depth to it. Um, but yeah, and then like you said, there's all the different balls. There's like the moon ball, which allows you to like jump really high when you're holding it. Um, and then there's like a multi ball, which gives you like three kind of like Mario Kart triple shells, where you can you kind of have them just kind of circling around you, and as you throw them, you can rapid fire um the the throws um uh, but yeah there's a lot of cool a lot of really cool mechanics to it um um but yeah you're right it's you know like they said like we said in the review where the um lowering the technical aspect of it you know it still creates a deep combat cool it looks cool at least it and it's free to check out so i, I think Maybe worth checking out if you want to see a new multiplayer game with your friends. And also just to confirm, according to PC Gamer, Knockout City has cross-play and cross-progression on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and the Switch. Nice. So, yeah, very cool. But that's about it. I know 
Is there anything out this week that any of you specifically would like to talk about? Mm. All right, cool. Let's talk about games that we're playing instead. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything is kind of like barren a little bit these following weeks to wait because I know they're probably going to announce a bunch of stuff at E3 and then there are going to be a lot of games coming out after that. Like July is uh, pretty stacked in the end of June as well. Got a lot of stuff coming up, but just not like right now. So mm. let's start with you, Logan. What have you been playing? I have been playing Monster Hunter Rise. What else is new? Uh. Who, who would have thought? Yeah, so Casey gave me the great tip last week that only one person you need to play needs to reach the ridiculous level cap needed <laughs> to fight some of the new monsters. So my friend, my hunting partner, got to that point, And so we did fight some of the new stuff. and. Yeah, it was pretty cool. The uh, Valstrax was a really awesome fight, a really cool monster. And yeah, I don't have much new to add other than I'm still plugging away, trying to get myself up to that level cap that we talked about last week. Yeah, same. I'm also trying to to reach that uh, <laughs> hunter rank. Um, yeah. It's a uh, it's not it's not taking as long as it did for like Monster Hunter World and mm -hmm. Iceborne. And I think one of those reasons is also that the more challenging quests that i'm doing aren't they don't have they have a much higher success rate than the challenging monster hunter world quests that yeah. you need to do to get up your hr or yeah. like i don't know when i was doing monster hunter world quests to increase my hunter rank i was doing things like tempered elder dragons because that's those are the rewards that i wanted and those were just like extremely hard compared mm -hmm. to a lot of the the hardest challenges in rise uh, yeah so yeah just monster hunter rise totally respectable Jada, what have you been playing? I've uh, been playing, been jumping back into Hades as well as Curse of the Old Gods. Um, I really love my Switch for these roguelikes games. They're, it's just perfect for any time I'm on the go or if I'm just, you know, even if I'm at home on the couch, I've been playing a lot of that. Um, I've been jumping into Monster Hunter World. I'm going, I'm in the process of working towards my platinum trophy for both World and Iceborne. All I have left That's are awesome. the. Nice. All I have left are the mini crowns and the the, the larger crowns. <laughs> that's the one. That's, yeah. that's the that's reason I, I never went up. for it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was honestly more worried about like some of the the rare spawn uh, endemic life, but like the two of them that spawn in Iceborne, I got to spawn in a single run that one, one time. Awesome. I was like, oh my! <laughs> I was like, thank you. Like I was like, RNG Jesus, um, just <laughs> all there for me on that one. Um, but yeah, and then Apex. I'm a big Apex head, so nice. lots of Apex Legends. Unfortunately, not on the Switch because I uh, I want good. good I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I I I built up my account on PlayStation, so I'm I'm gonna stay playing that on PlayStation. Not gonna until they give me cross progression. There's no reason for me to swap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And just to just to clarify a little bit on those uh, small and large clowns for Monster Hunter World. That, so there are different sizes for monsters in Monster Hunter World as well as Rise. But you will get a, a crown if it's a especially big one or especially small version of the monster. But it's completely random. And the quests that have predetermined sized monsters won't count towards these crowns either. So it's all completely random. And just to like put that out there, I, I have like... I, I think around 900 hours in Monster Hunter World Iceborne. And yeah, I, uh, I do not I do not have I don't even have those for world for just the base monsters. <laughs> so uh, I thought I was like, I'll naturally get this eventually. I did not. I did yeah. not naturally get those eventually. How many hours do you have in Jada? I, I my my game clock is 
broken. Like it doesn't go past oh. the 999, right? Oh no. Yeah. So like, okay. I have no idea. Oh, you know what? Actually I did. Um, I looked at this. I'll have to find it, but I, um, cause PlayStation keeps track of your hours. Oh, play, yeah, that's right. And I want to say I was at like 1700 hours in monster Ooh, hunter man. world. Um, but a lot of the time I spent a lot of time, like going back and playing lower quests to help friends that were just getting into it. So yeah. like, I, there's so much time, especially in those earlier quests. Um, and like, I didn't want to just go out right and like kill everything immediately because I want them to learn the patterns and mechanics yeah. so that it's not just me carrying them all the way through to Fatalis. And then they're just getting one shot by <laughs> Fatalis because they don't, don't understand the mechanics. So there's a lot of time spent on that, but, uh, I, I freaking love Iceborne and world. So I'll probably put another thousand hours into it i don't care <laughs> how so what are you waiting for before jumping into rise uh honestly so first thing was is i didn't have a pro controller so i was trying to play mm. it with other controllers and it just was not a thing yeah, i've no, got one uh, of those now um and i'm kind of i'm like i think i'm ready to jump into rise i just i don't know it's really hard for me to go back from world i like i love just the world that was created in world um so <laughs> it's really hard for me to like jump to rise on the switch and i just i don't i don't know it's it's totally in my head but mm -hmm. um yeah i'll probably get into it like post e3 i'm looking forward to you playing monster hunter rise <laughs> <laughs> i know i, I want to join you guys yeah <laughs> seth what are you been playing well i've been on an old game kick i started cool. uh final fantasy 10 hd <laughs> uh because i had that on playstation 2 and I was really excited for it. And I never beat it for whatever reason. I ended up just like recruiting for my Blitzball team and I never actually played the real game. So uh, I started playing it again. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to see it through. Uh, something just doesn't click with me. And, and I love Final Fantasy. Like Final Fantasy IX is like one of my favorites. And Final Fantasy mm. IX is actually the last Final Fantasy game that I beat in the series. I haven't mm. beaten it. Oh, since, wow. So yeah, I know I'm an old man, but. And then I went and played all the uh, the Switch Online games that had uh, that I said that I was going to play last time and completely forgot. So, yeah, Joe Mac, it's actually really good. I mean, it's not like great. Like you don't, you know, <laughs> if you don't have a subscription to Nintendo Online, don't get it just so you can play Joe <laughs> Mac too. But like, as far as 16-bit games go, yeah, it's amazing. It's it's super super colorful, super big chunky graphics. I mean, just if you're watching on the video, you can you can see it right now. It's a good game. It's fun. It's probably the best of, of the new ones. Uh, uh, Magical Drop 2 is also... If I had seen this game in 1996, I would have blown my mind. And this is a puzzler, but it has like some really great uh, animations and uh, like anime characters and a weird little story. And it's a fun little like a little puzzle game. But, you know, that's th those are the two highlights. Super Baseball went that or no. Wait, what was that other one? The baseball game. Yeah. Again, would have been very impressive in 1996. Not so much. Spanky's Quest, I don't even know. I, I have no familiarity with Spanky's Quest, and I decided to try to play it. I hated every second of oh. it. <laughs> it reminded me of like one of those early black box NES games, but it has really great graphics. So yeah. yeah look how gonna... cute that monkey is. It's super cute. It's got like a really adorable um art style. It's some great like opening cinematic. I was very excited. And then I started playing it. I was like, I don't, this is not anything that i want to keep playing and then i don't remember the uh the game that's on the nes online service i don't remember the name of it, Ooh, it was, it's a it was a long name i don't have it written down anywhere. it's not good and i know that somebody's gonna be like that's one of the best games ever in the some genre i've never heard of but like it's 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 bad it's very 1985 
like budget. It's like it's it's it was made in 1985, and it was the kind of game that in 1987 you found in the bargain bin. So yeah, you can just go ahead and skip that. I played them, so you don't have to. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate that. <laughs> and um, I already mentioned that I've also been playing Monster Hunter Rise, trying to get my HR up to 100. Uh, I also played It Takes Two, which is not on the Switch, but if you have the other consoles and are looking for a cool couch co-op that has really awesome like platforming and adventure vibes, I, it's really good. The mechanics are great. Like If you enjoyed playing Little Big Planet with a friend you guys would probably really like this game as well and i've also played on the nintendo front uh baldur's gate dark alliance in co-op as well i only played this for about two hours this is a remake from a of a, a ps2 game i believe it's like D, &D. Uh -huh. so i was like i love dungeons and dragons let's do it and baldur's gate yeah all of my campaigns like baldur's gate is the main place and man this is a really old game uh <laughs> so it's it's one of those games it doesn't it doesn't like tell you anything it's just like yeah go down to the sewers and fight these rats jada have you played this game i've seen I you like played it in your head back in the day on the ps2 originally yeah. i played the original ps2 version i haven't picked up the remaster um <laughs> but uh yeah i loved the old school Baldur's gate and uh you know champions of norath and mm. all those types of those style of games those games were amazing back in the ps2 and they are they're rebooting this uh, this type of series, which I'm very much looking forward to. And I did have a lot of fun with this, but also like this game was really hard. And Jada, please let me know if I was we were doing this wrong. But our <laughs> like so our strategy, we would have one person with a shield that would just like get aggro for the monsters and just throw up a shield, and then the other person would just stand behind them and kill them. So we'd basically effectively flank, but which is a, a totally fine strategy and is what we would do in regular DD. &D. like i guess regular D, D tactics like the tactic would be stand on the other side of the door so that there's a, a, a bottleneck so you don't have to fight a huge horde at the same time you can do them one at a time and we we're doing those kind of strategies in this game but we we're also like how would we do this if we weren't cheesing it like this either um <laughs> but i don't know does that sound right to you we got to the point I don't know if you remember this, but we got to the point where there were the slimes and the slimes were they were they were difficult. The gelatinous cubes, rather. <laughs> yeah, no, the, these games were nefariously known for being more difficult, especially if you didn't build your character properly with the right equipment, there the right go. the right stat. You don't put your stat points in the right you know areas. You don't pick up the right spells. You don't have a good diversity in your party. Like you have to really be strategic with these types of games because they will just outright swarm you and kill mm -hmm. you instantly if you do not have a plan going in um yes. and for me those that's stuff i love about games i love that idea of um min maxing and like okay if i do yeah. this i can have this combo and this will be good for this situation like i love that that type of game so like i might have to dive into this and then i can come and be your third help you out yes, on this one please because we were doing it with two people and we we're like how do you do this by yourself and it's like <laughs> don't i guess is the answer yeah <laughs> and i think the one of the trickier parts back in the day is like the old school systems like you i say old school this is like ps2 but still oh. um like your the systems could only handle so much so when you get three four people on there you got all the slowdown and stuff like that i just hope that's not a thing when Man, you get so more people i only played with with one other person, so we only played a, in a two-person party. But even with a ton of different monsters and 
like people on the screen, we never experience any uh, graphical issues or slowdowns at all. So that's awesome. hopefully that's the case as well with four people. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, I would assume that the Switch is more powerful than the PS2. <laughs> so especially with a, a redone game. Doesn't like have this. that emotion engine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. But no, it was really cool to go back to an older game, um, an older game like this. It doesn't hold your hand at all. Like even the, the sh- there's a shop. So just like heads up, there's a shop in the in the pub that you start out at, the Elf Song Tavern, which is a very famous tavern in the world of D and D. And he's just standing there. He doesn't look like a shopkeep at all. He just he's just standing there off to the side. So just like talk to everyone in in this game, or else you will not be able to buy stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or it's like take on side quests. Yeah, it doesn't have that thing in in new games that have the little symbols on their head to let you know like why you should talk to them. I think it's actually kind of cool. I liked it. I had fun with it. I was willing to accept the the old limitations of this old game. My partner, not, not quite so much. Let's wait for the, the reboot. <laughs> but we'll wait for it. I also very quickly uh, tried the Rise of Slime demo. And after playing it for about 20 minutes, I decided that I was going to buy it and uh, play that. So oh, nice. I will report back that on the next time on nice. our Nintendo voice chat. But it is, it is a uh, roguelite deck building game with a kind of story where you're a reincarnated as a slime and can take the abilities of your enemies i know it sounds a lot like that one anime that time i got reincarnated as a slime but no it's very much deck building roguelike it's a very fun but let's move on to a game we can all play together right now a game of question block and this first question comes from ulysses julian and they said Holy moly, please tell Tom that I too used to play Plock. It was one of five SNES games my family owned when I was young. Mm. And they go on to uh, talk about more SNES games and uh, some other games as well. And that the Switch rekindled their love for games again. And nowadays they're playing classic and older games for the first time on consoles that they bought off eBay. So here are some questions. And also, they also just wanted to remind us not to spoil games, even if they're really old. So just like give spoiler alerts because some people maybe are just getting into things like Link's Awakening and Oh Creative Time and never and just haven't played them before. So yeah, let's. I don't. I mean, set, I'll do my best, but yeah, I, know. I mean, there's like a. I think this is, we got to set a hard limit somewhere. It's like three yeah. years, I think. No, Sorry, I guys, I, think... I spoiled Ocarina Time. There's a water temple. I said it earlier. It's already it's spoiled. Oh, sure. There's a water temple. <laughs> no, I respect people not wanting to yes. have things spoiled, but I can't I can't make any promises. No, I totally I totally see that as well. I think the best we can do is to be like, hey, we're about to talk about the ending of this 10 year old game. And that's, the I think, the best that we can do. Um, <laughs> but also they go on to say, and this is the relevant question to our ROM conversation earlier. With a lot of us fans having a collection of consoles with built-in batteries, what do you all recommend for keeping the batteries alive and well? I know some things like the new 3DS and the Switch Lite can be stored with a battery at 50%, but then how often does one recharge it, run it down, etc.? What does Pear do to keep the health of his batteries if his pool of Joy-Cons up? The Wii U gamepad battery, the SNES cartridges with batteries. You all talk ah. about digital versus physical and what will last in the long run, but what about the built-in batteries needed to play them? After a while, Nintendo stops selling replacement batteries. What will happen 30 years from now when we all want to play on a Switch Lite and need a new battery? Thank you all for the considering my questions and requests and reading through my story. All the best. This is I something very I actually question. think about yeah. <laughs> a lot. And yeah. I am just um, I'm being optimistic that some third party will make replacement. You know, some enthusiasts will just make the batteries that fit. Like there are people who just make the cables 
So you can hook your, uh, you know, they make SCART cables or SCART cables. So you can hook your Super NES up to an RGB. Like somebody just makes those. Nintendo never made them. So I, I just hope that, I, I believe in the future that somebody will. As far as storage, charge the battery up as much as you can. And if, it, mm-hmm. if you can take it out, like in the case of the Wii U uh, gamepad, take it out and store it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the SNES cartridges with batteries, those are almost certainly dead. Um, there are ways to replace those batteries, but they require some technical know-how. You have to know how to solder. You have to um, be comfortable soldering on what might be a $100 uh, rare game cartridge. The best thing to do with your NES cartridges is to get like a Hyperkin Retro, uh, Retron 5 or one of those other systems that actually will dump your save data to like an SD card. So that is my, as far as pairs like 400 Joy-Cons, I don't think he has any sort of charging system set up. I think he's just hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Yeah, and so this actually, I actually came across this issue with my Pokemon Silver cartridge a few years ago, where I, I plugged it in to see how what I had on there, and the battery had died, and my save data was no longer there. Mm. And this is because those cartridges had an internal clock, so they knew the battery to continue with that. And Sad. once the battery dies, everything is gone. And I think the worst part about this is that you can't preemptively change out a battery. Right. It yeah. There's delete. It will delete your save data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you change the out the battery, that, the minute it doesn't have that trickle at 1.4 volts or whatever it is, it's that's it. You lose. Yeah. That's lose just the everything. way that memory used to be. Yeah. And yeah. what I did, I know that these are becoming fewer and far between. I went to my local game specific store. So it was my my local game store. They they dealt in like hobbies and old games and did repairs and they they repaired they replaced the battery for me and they did that service as well for other older game systems and just general repairs and battery replacements and i think they they charged me they charged me twenty dollars for that um oh that's not bad at all yeah it's not bad it's really not bad um so that would be my my recommendation when something does die but as far as taking care of things so they don't die ever I guess follow what Seth does because there's not a great yeah. there's not a great way to do that. I know no. like in general batteries it's like once you get to 100% stop stop charging them because uh, yep. that can uh, ruin a battery for your for like uh, it's like Seth like I know that's uh, it depends. Phones, it's super but... like yeah and like that problem has been mitigated by software now okay. a lot of software will like just like turn off it turn off the charging when it's at 100 percent or there's like mm-hmm. a like a, ga- a logic gate in there that knows automatically but yeah like batteries suck and basically yeah. i think the best thing to do would be next time you see like a charger or like a power cord buy f- as many as you can so that you can at least like plug in your wii gamepad or you can at least plug in your 3s because they can still work mm-hmm. off of ac power they don't necessarily need that battery but um yeah it's we'll see we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll all meet back here in 30 years in yeah. 2051 <laughs> let's see or uh have rom backups of the games yep. <laughs> you don't need to worry about the second topic yeah. yeah go check that out but thank you so much for that question ulysses i appreciate it and i will let tom know about your love for block <laughs> this next question is from Corey lee miller this is calling back to the first topic of today and they said as the crowd roars link sheathes his sword and dissolves into a lone silhouette shigeru miyamoto dancing about the stage 
with a master sword and highly chilled like a kid having the best birthday party. What's your favorite ever Nintendo E3 reveal, hardware or software, and why? I've got one. Go for it. Uh, 2018, so pretty recent, uh, in a, their Nintendo Direct for E3, it was the Super Smash Brothers reveal, and it was everyone is here when they showed Snake, and then they showed that text across the screen, and then we saw P2, Ice Climbers, Young Link, everybody from the history of the series come back in that trailer. It's one of my favorite trailers of all time. Uh, Smash Ultimate has become my favorite game of all time. And Damn. yeah, I just, I love that moment. And I, I remember just on, on this show years ago, uh, the panel saying, man, what is, what is Sakurai and Nintendo going to do after Smash on Wii U? There's so many characters here. And they went and completely outdid themselves. And that was kind of the start of it all. And that was back when there were still conversations that Smash on Switch was just going to be a port of Smash Wii U. And Everyone who thought that was proven entirely long, entirely wrong, and that trailer was was the defining moment of that game's reveal. Man, it's hard to argue with that. No, that was one of me. That was also, um, I guess, my second E3 with IGN. But man, that was amazing. I know we were all getting so hyped back up like seeing all of that it's like oh they're got all of them and then I, it was great. It was amazing. I would have yeah. to say like my favorite reveal was already mentioned by the poster of this question, but the the Twilight Princess reveal, I think, was just amazing in 2004. I I rewatched that trailer with that really iconic music over and over again. I think mm. we got a disc with that Twilight Princess trailer if you were a subscriber to Nintendo Power oh, Magazine. Cool. And like, man, just like reliving that over and over. And I, I don't think I'd ever been so excited for a game before that time because i think that was like right around the time i could i i didn't start getting excited for games coming until i you know reached my teens because before when i was a kid i was just like oh my parents got me this game for christmas cool and like little known to me it had been out for like a year and i didn't start <laughs> doing that until i was like 10 so this was like the first time where i was so excited for a game and it was just amazing watching that presentation <laughs> That's a good point. I'd, I'd have to say for me was 2019 was the uh, announcement trailer or <clears throat> gameplay trailer for Link's Awakening. Um, Link's Awakening is my by far my favorite Legend of Zelda game. I've played it every single report and re-release um, as a very true like tried and true um place in my heart my uncle who gave me my first game boy and Link's awakening um is like he uh couldn't play games anymore because of like he uh, developed like epilepsy and and such and so he passed it on to me and kind of showed me the game and while i was like probably i think six or seven at the time and had no idea what i was doing playing the game i spent probably the first year playing that game just cutting grass for rupees and buying stuff at the shop i still <laughs> fell in love with that game and every time i get a chance to see a a newer version of this link's awakening it's a, a must have day one buy and like i think this trailer i think i literally cried when that trailer came on um, at E3 2019, like it was just, it was so emotional for me. So that's my, my favorite. Nice. You know, like so, because I think did they they announced Link's Awakening before they showed the E3 trailer? Yes. 
but yeah, seeing what it looked like was just, ugh, I just, I fell in love again. <laughs> Seth, real quick, gotta wrap it up, but just. Okay, because I'm one super sentence. old. This predates even before E3. Uh, it was when I got the Nintendo Power and they said there's going to be a super Nintendo. And it was all, it was the singular focus of my entire life. I literally, they had a contest where you could win one before it came out. I literally prayed to God and Jesus every night to let me win that Nintendo Power Contest. And I didn't. I think I was being taught a valuable lesson about materialism. (laughs) Thank you for that story, Seth. And with that, that is about all the time we have left for Nintendo Voice Chat. If you are an audio listener, I do implore you to go check us out on IGN Games' YouTube channel. It's specifically IGN Games, not the main IGN. But Check out the NBC playlist there and watch our videos as well to see all of the cool B-roll and also our faces, which is significantly less important than seeing the games. But, you know, come check us out. And if you have questions of your own, you can always write to us at NBC at IGN.com. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can. Get the thing. Get the thing.